The harvest is great, which means we need some who reap the harvest, as we'll see next. Over the last couple of days, we've spent our time looking at the harvest and how great it is, which requires those who would go out and harvest that fruit and that crop. And today, that's what we're looking at here as we focus our attention on 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, the characteristics of a witness. This is Times of Refreshing with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman from The Well a Christian community in Livermore, California. Join us, won't you, again, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, the characteristics of a witness. Here's Pastor Napoleon Kaufman now with today's broadcast. Our job is to realize that once we have been equipped, we are sent out into our communities to make an impact. But there's a way in which we should go. There's a perspective that we should have as we go. And as men and women of God, we have to make sure that we maintain this perspective. And that we're just not going out there and, and getting uh, ideas and concepts and ways of doing things from the world that d- attract people and draw people. That we use biblical principles things that are scriptural to help us to have the impact. Because at the end of the day, The Holy Spirit is going to endorse what he has inspired. We got to make sure that our inspiration is coming from God and our principles are coming from God. And the way we view things is from a is from God's perspective, not the world's perspective. Apostle Paul was very, very skilled in doing this. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He understood very clearly the way that they thought. And not only that, we know that he was a very educated man. When you read his writings and, and, and you do any history or search the history on the Apostle Paul, we know that he was very educated. He understood the systems around him. But when he met Jesus Christ, something had to die in him so that something could live. There was a different way in which he had to go about doing things. And I think for all of us here, um, we cannot let our background, our upbringing, our education, we cannot allow that to be a hindrance for the moving of God's spirit in and through our lives. Those things are good, but you also have to realize that there's a way in which God wants things done that may be contrary to what you've learned in the past. We have to embrace God's way of doing things. The Apostle Paul was skillful. He was diligent. He was professional. He was powerful. God used him. But he had tapped into something that we can all learn from this morning. Can I have an amen? And so we look here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. We'll read these five verses down, then we'll break them down. It says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, Declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined. Somebody say determined. He says for I determined. I made up my mind. I was fixed. He says I determined not to know anything among you. Except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in, with, I was with you in weakness. In fear and in much trembling. And my speech 
and my preaching were not with persuasive or enticing words of human wisdom, but as demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of who? Of God. And so very clearly here, he makes the distinction and he allows us to see that there is a, there is a wisdom that, that people are trying to use to, to, turn, to, to turn the masses or to persuade people. He said, I didn't come at you like this. In the book of James chapter 3, verse 15, it says this, that there, are, there is a wisdom that does not descend from above. It is a wisdom that is earthly, it is sensual, and it is demonic. Okay? This is what the Gnostics have tapped into and the secular humanists have tapped into and others. They've tapped into a wisdom that does not descend from above. It's earthly. It's sensual or soulish and it's demonic. We don't want just a wisdom that is earthly, that keeps us earthbound. It's, it only pertains to that which is going on upon the earth and, the, and its source is from the earth. We don't want a wisdom that is sensual, that's just soulish, that really comes out of our own feelings and emotions. We don't want that type of sensual wisdom. And we don't want a wisdom that is demonic, obviously. Now, the devil is, plays with earthly and sensual uh, wisdom all the time. And because ultimately it's, it's demonic. We don't want to tap into that. We want to tap into the wisdom that is from above. That comes from God through the Holy Spirit. He begins to impart to us wisdom. We were singing about wisdom today. We want a wisdom that comes from God. We want to tap into God's mind. So that as we leave these doors and we go out to, to handle our business. We're being led by the Spirit of God. And He's given us insight into what it takes to help people's lives change. The problem that we have is we trust too much in earthly, sensual and demonic wisdom. And in some cases, y'all, we don't even know the difference between that which is inspired by God and that which is earthly, sensual, and demonic. And, and let me say this. If we, will, if we will be sensitive, the Holy Spirit will speak to us. If we will be sensitive and diligent, the Word of God will give us insight into the wisdom that is from above. And if we are sensitive, we'll get around people who we see have this kind of wisdom that comes from God. The Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and then, and then also getting around people who have the wisdom of God. And this Apostle Paul says, is there not a wise man among you that can judge between these matters? Why should you have to go to court when you can, when, when, and, and he was, he was, Pleading to the, the church of Corinth, letting them know that this should be handled in-house between people within the house that have wisdom, the wise men. But unfortunately, we, we value the earthly, sensual, and demonic wisdom more than that. The Apostle Paul, when he came on the scene, he knew that there was a difference between these, these two wisdoms. And he chose to side with God's wisdom. Can I have an amen? And so he says in verse 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech 
or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. And I think this is what happens a lot of times when we're going out there in the world and we're ministering to people. We get so caught up on how we're going to sound. We get so caught up in how we're going to appear. And we think that what's going to change people's hearts is the excellence of speech. A lot of people can talk well and they sound well. But the thing that we have to ask ourselves is, who is their inspiration? Who is inspiring them? Let me say this. The devil, he didn't sound bad when he met Eve in the garden. His wisdom, I mean, he didn't, he didn't, this is the mistake we make. We, we, we think that the devil is running around with a pitchfork and horns on his head. That's the great deception. But it's, it's the eloquence of speech that really, that we really have to hone in because a person, a person can move you with their elo- eloquence of speech, but who's inspiring them? And what are they saying? Well, I left there. They made me feel good. What did he say? I don't know. That's the problem. But we as saints, we want to be people that, that when we come to people and we share our faith and we're out in the community, he says here, and I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech. That's not the, you may sound well, and that's good. And my prayer is that all of us have excellence of speech, but that's not what we're trying to come with. That's not the draw. That's not what should be drawing people is how well you can speak or your eloquence. That's not it. And for us, when we're out in the community, stop, I'm telling you, stop thinking that you got to sound all profound and deep. And we're going to get to the, to the heart of this matter as we go down. But he said, I did not come with excellent speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. When it comes to sharing the gospel, stop trying to outthink people. You can't outthink them into the kingdom. They're going to say this, then I'm going to say this. They're going to say that, then I'm going to say that. They gonna, and you up all night. Okay, when they say this, I'm going to say that. When they say this, I'm <laughs> We overthink it. We overthink it instead of letting the Holy Spirit move. Amen? And, and, and also realize that their response to you Their response to you should not be the only thing you're looking for. This is the mistake we make. We we think we didn't do good if they don't respond the way we think they should, should respond. But that's not it. That's not it. You know, Stephen, he gets up and he gives a powerful message convicting These individuals that were coming to arrest him and all these things. He gives a powerful message. At the end of his message, they stoned him to death. But Jesus is standing on the right hand of the Father. Ready to receive his spirit. So you can't always look at the people's response. All of us have to stop and say, I've got to get rid of thinking that it's my eloquence that's going to move people's hearts. You know, the Bible says that Moses was a stutterer. The Bible says that the Apostle Paul, his bodily presence was weak. 
It wasn't, it wasn't appealing. If he came in here, you know, we wouldn't be saying, ooh, that's a man of God. His speech was, the Bible says, was contemptible. And his bodily presence was weak. He didn't look the part. But how many know that Apostle Paul was a powerful man? We have to get beyond the external and stop thinking. And sometimes even when I'm, when I'm up here, and you guys know, sometimes I'm up here preaching and I'll make up a word. You can laugh. I'll say stuff, you know, I'll go back and watch the video and I'm, I'm talking to you guys and I'll say something, you know, and, and I'll, I'll just laugh. My wife will tell you, I'll laugh at myself. I'll sit there, man, you, you crazy, man. What you saying? You know, and then I'll tell the people that are, I'll, I'll tell the, the guys that are doing, cutting up the tape and putting it on TV. I say, just leave it. Just leave it. I say, man, I'm not tripping off all that. I don't want to come off. I don't want to. I want to come off as though, you know, hey, these people, this is family. They know we like you never said something crazy. (laughs) Making up words and everything else. Some of you go over your house to eat and you guys got your own language in the house. (laughs) You know, and so the point is, it's obviously I want to sound good. I want to be professional. I want God to be blessed. But at the same time, there's an aspect that I love about Pastor Paul. He said, I didn't come with excellence of speech or wisdom to learn to you. He, he was, he's making the point that it's not about that. People need to feel who you are and know who you are. And, and, and like I said, we'll get into this as we go down. But, but stop thinking you have to be perfect to share your faith. Stop thinking that it's in your eloquence. That's what's going to cause somebody to believe in Jesus. Stop thinking that it's just that, that, that if you don't sound like that, that, that God can't use you. The Apostle Paul is breaking this mold. Someone who was highly educated was clear. He says, I did not come to you with excellence of speech or wisdom declaring to you the testimony, the mystery of God. He says, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. For I determined, and all of us have to make up our mind, that at the end of the day, What people need to know more than anything else is that you know who Jesus is and you know about his crucifixion. This is what he's saying. He says, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I know him. I can tell you about him because I know him. Because I have intimate knowledge of who he is. And yes, he's revealed himself to me through his word. But he's also revealed himself to me personally. I've had my experience with God. He saved me. He changed me. He's revealed himself to me. He speaks to me. His sheep know his voice. And people cannot take away your personal experience with Christ. They, want to, they can argue with you from a, from a doctrinal standpoint. And we can reason about various things. But at the end of the day, you'll never convince me that he doesn't exist. Because I've had my experience with him, and I've had my encounter with him, and I know who he is. Can I have an amen? And we have to get to this place where we realize that this is the power of your testimony. We can know all the stuff, and we should know all the stuff, and we should be diligent to present ourselves approved before God, rightly dividing the word of truth, that we should get into the Bible and understand our doctrine and why we believe what we believe. But at the end of the day, there's also an experiential aspect to this that, God, I know, I know the Lord. Yeah. 
I've had my experience with Lord. I walk with the Lord. I, I feel, I know his presence, feel his presence. All these things are things that no one can take away from you. And for us as saints, I love the way that Apostle Paul is addressing this because it needs to be addressed. Some individuals, they're, they're so heady. They're so heady that they don't, they don't allow their experience with God to speak. They're so busy trying to convince people from an intellectual standpoint. And some people, they're not going to believe you. They just want to fight. I was at the mall the other day. And I was sharing this story with my wife. I was at the mall, and we were at the mall, and uh, I was at the mall. And, and this guy who was a Muslim, he, he comes in. He sees me. I see him. He does one of the kiosks. Where I see him. I'm like, what's up, bro? How you doing? You know? And so we get to talking. And he knows that I'm a pastor. He says, so you're a pastor, huh? I said, yeah. I said, I'm a pastor. He has a pastor right over here in Liverpool. We got a wonderful church. He said, uh, he says, so uh, tell me about Jesus. He's a Muslim. He said, tell me about Jesus. I said, nah. I said, nah, I don't, I don't want to talk to you about Jesus right now. And he was like, what? You don't want to talk to me? I said, nah, I don't want to talk about Jesus. He said, I want you to tell me about Jesus. I was like, no, come on, man. I don't want to talk about Jesus. I'm in here trying to shop, man. I'm not worried about where to go. Nah, tell me about Jesus. Because I knew what he really wanted to do was get into a fight with me in the mall about Jesus. I, I knew I could see it all over him. He just want to fight. I said, so, I said, so, I'm not going to tell you about him. If you got a question, though, you can ask me. He said, uh, I got a question. Why do they call Jesus the son of God? He never said he was the son of God. Yeah, this is the same stuff. So make a long story short, I, I, I had to turn it on, y'all. So I started ministering to the guy, talked to him about talking to him about this. Then we start talking about Mohammed. We start going back and forth a little bit. I said, man, I told you I didn't want to talk to you about Jesus. Man, I knew this is what you're going to do. You want to fight and stuff like that. We got to talking and making a long story short. He said, oh, I got to go. The reason why I'm sharing this story with you all is because, saints, we have to learn to be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. And be skillful as we're out in the community. Now, what he, 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 like I said, you can discern when people really are, have a heart to learn and want to know. And then you can discern when people just want to pick a fight and get you huffing and puffing. And then next thing you know, they go off believing what they want to believe. And then now you at home trying to play, pray and get your spirit right again. But the issue here is, is that we have to make up our mind. This is what I'm saying. It's not just a mental ascent. We have to determine not to know anything among people except Jesus Christ and him crucified that obviously we know more. We know the scripture and all that thing. But the heart of it is I know him and I know what he's done for me. I know the power of his resurrection and crucifixion. Those are things that we have to start focusing on once again. The problem that we have in the church is that a lot of people know this, but they don't know him. It's called dead letter. 
Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. You can read this Bible to your blue in the face, and you can get a glimpse of who he is and understand who he is, but this has to translate into life. It has to translate into your experience with him. This opens the door. It's a blessing. And we we, we need to be diligent to read our Bibles and study and pray and seek God. But Lord, now make it alive to me. Cause your words to come alive to me and in me. So that when I'm communicating, people are not just hearing what I'm having to say, but they can see Christ's life shining through me. Can I have an amen, y'all? And this is what we need if we're going to truly be effective at winning the lost and being examples and witnesses in the community. Look what he says here. I was with you, verse 3, in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. I love this about the Apostle Paul because he's acknowledging even within his humanity, his frailty, his having to go through um, battling fears, having to go through dealing with weakness, and having to go through this process as he's out as a lamb in the midst of wolves. And all of us have to, to deal with these things. And it has to be clear to people around us that, that, that we're not perfect. That there's a humanity aspect to who we are as men and women of God. That That's why I say, leave it on there. I don't care. People need to know. Sometimes I mess up on a word. Whatever. There's, there's an aspect of that that is powerful that people need to feel and know. And for all of us here, when we're ministering to people, this aspect of it, and there's a reverential awe aspect to it that he's communicating here, but, but he's saying he was with them in the midst of weakness and in fear and in much trembling. You guys saw who I was. You saw the essence of who I, who I am. And no one in this room is a superman or superwoman. So stop going to work acting like you're superman. Stop witnessing the people and, and making it seem like you don't have to find this, fight the same demons that they're fighting. Can I have an amen? Hey, listen, I'm fighting the same demons that you're fighting. Now, I may whoop them up more than you do, but we're still fighting them. People need to know that about us as we're out there sharing our faith. And I'm not saying glorifying our failures, but I'm saying that in the midst of it, there are times when you struggle with weakness, and there's times when you struggle with fear, and you're trying to fight fear, and there's times when you have trembling in your life, and you're going through this process as you're out there sharing your faith, and people can see that. They saw this in the Apostle Paul. They saw this man get stoned. They saw people saw this man go through, getting kicked out of cities, being left for dead. This is why the book of Acts is full of these testimonies of how they fell down but got up and kept on preaching the gospel. So that we as men and women of God, as we're out here sharing our faith, people can see this about us. That this person, they're, they're, they're strong, but they're also letting you know there's times when I have to fight just like you do. And that's okay. We're not oblivious to the wars that we fight every day. And even as your pastor, I'm, i got to fight my own demons that i got to rebuke every day and tell them to get, out, get behind me. But you do it and you keep on going for Jesus. Can I have an amen? And this is what we want to do. He says, I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching. He says, we're not with persuasive words of human wisdom. Earthly, sensual, demonic. 
He says of human wisdom, he says, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So he, he makes a distinction here. He says, but of demonstration of the spirit. Never forget, saints, that when you get saved, the Holy Spirit, he comes into your life. And he comes as an empowering agent. He comes to empower you from the inside out. He comes to reveal Jesus. He comes to speak to us, be our comforter. He's going to encourage us. He, but he's also going to empower us. And he's going to a, a, allow his characteristics to be revealed in and through your life. Well, thank you for joining us for Times of Refreshing with our teacher and pastor, Napoleon Kaufman. This program is the production of The Well Christian Community. And we pray today's broadcast has blessed you and has encouraged you in Christ. If it has, would you take a moment and let us know? There are several ways that you can contact us. First, by mail. The Well Christian Community. Address your envelope to 2333 Neeson Drive. That's here in Livermore. The zip code is 945 You can also stop by our website, learn more about us, and drop us an email, thewellchurch.net. That's thewellchurch.net. And then, of course, by phone, 925-292-7800. That's 925-292-7800. As you visit our website, don't forget to look for the link to our Facebook page. And if you're on Facebook, simply search The Well Christian Community. You can even follow Pastor Napoleon on Twitter with the address at Napoleon Kaufman, all one word. Until next time, may Jesus Christ be highly exalted in your life and may he bring you a peace that passes all understanding. Understanding.